It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Welcome, friends. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners right here on the show. With me, certified financial planner Josh Gregory and insurance advisor Alicia Boehner. Yeah, I'm really excited about today's topic, especially as a Michigan resident myself. Many of our listeners may not even realize if you're in the Michiana area, you may have some big decisions ahead of you with your car insurance. So as Mike said, we're welcoming back insurance advisor Alicia Boehner here on the show to help us discuss any of the changes that are coming and the decisions that you may have to make. That's right. We've got a couple of great insurance questions for the second half of the program. We're thankful for our special sponsor today, Auto Owners Insurance. Thank you very much. If you have a question for the show, you can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. You can go online, leave your question that way as well. SearchWiseMoneyShow.com is a section right there on the right where you can leave a question. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, that's that's Facebook and YouTube and all that, you'll find the Wise Money Show there. Just search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, and you can leave questions there as well. All right. Welcome back, Alicia. Thanks, thanks. for thanks for being here. We're looking forward to today's discussion. And uh, we're, we're going to start with the headliner, and that's these big changes going on in Michigan. But then we're also going to be talking about how the coronavirus has changed your insurance decision. So lots coming up, but let's talk about this. I, I grew up in Michigan and um, no one ever told me that I should have been complaining about my auto insurance <laughs> until I moved to Indiana. And it seems like right here where you can almost hit a golf ball to, to Michigan, um, people like to complain about Michigan's insurance. So, so what do they complain about, Alicia? And I guess more importantly, what's, what's changing? Well, I think what people have been complaining about the most is rates, right? Yeah, the price. People, people have been unhappy because Michigan has some of the highest rates in the entire country uh, for auto insurance, mostly because their coverage has been very comprehensive. The Lifetime Unlimited has offered just a really generous benefit, but it's come at a, a price. Now, what's interesting about that, it, you know, I'm a value guy. So it's like, well, it's a lot, it's expensive, but... Um, you know, at least you get a lot for it. So then you'd say, well, then I bet everyone has the insurance. Actually, <laughs> funny you should ask, Mike. <laughs> Let me answer that. Florida, of all states, that has the highest percentage of uninsured drivers, 26%. That's crazy. That is crazy. However, Michigan's not too far behind at number four. 21% of Michiganders are uninsured. And I and and so you'd say that's correlated with the price. The price is so high that you uh, it would would be careful about um, well keeping that insurance if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, you know I I've actually been in some very nerdy rooms where a bunch of insurance professionals like like the people who help craft these rules and everything, and they're bragging about how awesome Michigan's insurance is. But every Michigan resident hates it, right? And it's usually because of the uh, of the price. They they hate how much it costs and everything. 
But uh, the insurance professionals in their minds, oh, no, we've created this amazing benefit that protects you so well. But if you don't like the price or to Mike's point, you just avoid being insured altogether, then that coverage isn't doing any good, right? All right. So so what's changing now and what are the big decisions that people need to make? So the, the biggest thing that's changing is you now will have choices for what we call PIP, which is personal injury protection. That's really your medical bills. So... Now, instead of being required to carry the lifetime unlimited, you'll have an option. You'll have a 250,000 limit option, a 500,000 limit option, and then other groups of people will have some other options, like if they have certain health insurance coverage um, that meets specific requirements, they can exclude themselves completely from PIP or if they are on Medicare. Okay, so so let's put this into like real life scenario. I, I'm a Michigan resident. If I get in a car accident and I'm injured or... Uh, you know, my passengers are, are injured. The portion of my car insurance that pays those medical bills is PIP, as you said, yep. personal injury protection. Yep. And up until this year, it was an unlimited amount of medical bills that I could be facing, and it's all covered. Yep. Uh, and you'd imagine anytime you're giving someone an unlimited benefit, that's expensive to, to provide. But now, moving forward, you just said, I have choices as to how much coverage or, or how much of my medical bills would be covered. That's right. right. Yep. And can you say those numbers again? It, I could still choose unlimited. That's you, still an option. You can still choose unlimited. You could choose a $500,000 limit. You could choose a $250,000 limit. If someone qualifies for Medicaid, they will have another option of $50,000. And then if someone has specific qualifying health insurance or Medicare, they may even be able to reject PIP entirely. Okay, so how, how would you make a decision on something like this? Because it's it's unknowable if you were to get into an accident, how bad it could be, how how many people are injured, and for how long the, the doctors and surgeons are working on you, that sort of thing. So why would you not just choose unlimited because who knows how big the bill could could come to ultimately? Yeah, well, some people might have very, very comprehensive health insurance. And if they do have very comprehensive health insurance and a low deductible and their policy meets the requirements, then they might want a lower limit. Maybe they don't want to reject it entirely, but maybe they want a lower limit. Or maybe it's someone that has a nice uh, storehouse of cash sitting in the bank and they feel like they're willing to absorb some of that financial risk on their own if they do have a more serious incident. So I think the financial side does play a big part in making that decision, as well as just the quality of your health insurance coverage to begin with. You know what, this this question is coming up more and more in our office as Michigan is rolling out these reforms and everything. And I feel like more than ever, our certified financial planners and our insurance advisors are needing to collaborate like like never before. Because this is just purely a financial planning decision, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when in the past have you ever chosen your health and, or sorry, your, your car insurance be, uh, based on an assessment or a reevaluation of your health insurance? Like right. normally those are just two separate areas. They don't really commingle in any way. But what you're alluding to is that uh, your decisions on your car insurance now really need to take into consideration just how much health coverage you have, either through work or buying it on the marketplace, or even, as you said, maybe maybe you're older and on Medicare. Right. And actually, one of the questions we've had within the office is, well, if 
someone qualifies for Medicare and they're on a Medicare product, whether it's an Advantage plan or a Medigap policy, why wouldn't you reject PIP? Because isn't that double coverage? That's the question I keep getting. Aren't we double covered? That's assuming that personal injury protection and Medicare cover all the same things, and they do not. PIP covers a lot more than just the actual medical bill side. They cover more as it relates to like rehabilitative care, long-term rehabilitative care. They cover things like if you needed to have your house retrofitted because now you're in a wheelchair or have your vehicle retrofitted for something like that to make it handicap accessible. A lot of those are things that the health insurance side wouldn't cover. So you have to kind of weigh all of those different things. What about replacement of income? Is yes. PIP, yep. it provides that as well. Your health insurance through work is not going to pay you to sit at home and recover for some right. period of time. But the PIP policy, right. your, your car insurance potentially could if you choose the right, right level of yep. benefit. Yep. Okay. Well, so this is, uh, here's, here's an interesting statistic. Um, overall, in 2019, Michigan remained the state where car insurance is the most expensive. Average cost, over $3,000. And um, if you live in Detroit, who would have thought of every city in the United States, what city do residents pay the highest for their auto insurance? It is Detroit. This is crazy. So I'm curious. Some people call it Detroit. I know. Though. Whenever okay. Mike All says right. Detroit. All right. <laughs> uh, but so the, the, what do these choices have to do with the cost that you're going to pay? We're going to talk about that next. Coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do the changes with Michigan no-fault insurance, the choices you need to make, how's that going to impact your premium? We're going to talk about that with special guest Alicia Boehner right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studio, Josh Gregory. And as I mentioned, we're blessed to have insurance advisor Alicia Boehner with us today. If you're not listening to The Wise Money Show on the YouTube channel, I would just tell you that you can. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is right there. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications, and smash that thumbs up button. Not only do you get the show, but all throughout the week, you get additional comments, next wise steps, other financial nuggets. So check us out there, The Wise Money Show on YouTube. All right, so Alicia, we've got choices now. If you live in Michigan, and you have their no-fault insurance. I mean, it's still no fault, right? They were still calling it that? Correct. Okay. So people can at least still complain about that because <laughs> it's complaining about no-fault insurance. Um, but now you have choices. How will those choices influence the price that you pay for auto insurance in Michigan? So there are some required discounts on your insurance depending upon which level of personal injury protection you pick. And so those discounts, I'll tell you how they go. Unlimited is a 10% discount. So wait a second. So the same thing, like I, I, on June 1st, I have unlimited. And what August 1st, I still choose unlimited and I get a 10% reduction? 10% on that part okay. only of the uh, premium. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yep. And then 500,000, 20% okay. discount. 250,000, 35% discount. 50,000 if you qualify for Medicaid again, 45%. And then obviously if you opt out, 100% of the PIP premium is gone. Do you have a sense for what portion of my car insurance bill 
is actually attributed to this this health coverage, this PIP insurance? I know that what we are seeing is that the people that are choosing to totally reject, it's been about $1,000 savings approximately per year. Okay. Wow. So it's not necessarily a certain percentage of your car insurance. It's right. roughly the same dollar amount per person throughout that's, the whole that's state. That's roughly what we've been seeing thus far. But again, we're only you know, a month into kind of meeting with our clients and talking about it. So so when can someone make this choice? So we're already having conversations with our clients and they're making decisions now, but we can't actually make them effective until the July 2nd date. Mm-hmm. So that's when everything will formally take effect. The other thing cost-wise that's changing is that they call it the MCCA fee, which is like the catastrophe fund that helps pay for the the medical expenses. And that has been historically over 200 bucks, and that's dropping to $100 per car. So hmm. that's an automatic given that people are saving as well. Well, I, you know, I, I'm grateful that Alicia and Janet and Cindy and Leanne, I mean, all the, the great team members at KFG, I'm grateful for your guys' wisdom and your proactiveness here on these changes. Even hearing, I mean, most people in the community don't even know this is changing still. And we're, you guys are already talking to clients and helping them make a great decision. And like Josh already mentioned, we've got CFPs right here in the office. So we're able to collaborate to make sure, all right, what's the, you know, no one knows the future, mm-hmm. but, but what's your financial situation? What type of decision should that lead you to? So the other thing that I think is really important that we talk about is how the bodily injury limit is changing. So bodily injury, if personal injury protection pays for your medical bills, bodily injury is what pays for the other guy's medical bills. And so the default amount for that is being changed to 250,000 per person, 500,000 per accident. And that's because they realize more people are probably gonna be lowering their personal injury protection. And what we're doing in essence by making this choice, we are opening the door for lawsuits. So that's the other thing that's gonna happen is I think that number is going to be more important than ever to make sure that you've got good coverage in case someone else doesn't and you are at fault. If you're a conspiracy theorist, um, like our friend Casey Hendrickson, you you might say, well, they did that because they know you're going to be paying less for your insurance, so we're going to force you to buy more coverage somewhere else. <laughs> so it's not too much of a discount. Josh, were you going to were you going to add anything here? Well, I, I guess the question I was going to ask, you were describing a planful approach to yeah. – reassessing your insurance this summer, making sure that you're choosing what's wise for you based on your plan. But what about people who haven't heard from their insurance agent? I mean, if if they do nothing and, you know, July 1st rolls around and they this is the first they're even hearing of this, mm-hmm. what happens in, in those cases? So what will happen in that case is they're going to remain with Lifetime Unlimited. And if their bodily injury limits are below the 250 500 default they will get bumped to that interesting and that's at their renewal date so whenever their policy would happen to renew next so whether that's july 2nd or december if they haven't made adjustments that's what will happen so they'll automatically we're seeing about a 10 percent discount on the unlimited pip or mm-hmm. personal injury protection but that savings might get eaten up by them re- or increasing uh, costs elsewhere 
related to your protection for the other guy in, in the accident. Yeah. Bodily injury, as you said. Yeah. The, the voice you're hearing there, that's insurance advisor Alicia Boehner. We're glad to have her on the program talking specifically about the timely topic of, of Michigan no-fault insurance reform and really the big idea. The, the Wise Money Show is about helping you have um, – you know, guiding you to the right process of making decisions in your financial life. And it's not a commercial for KFG. However, if you live in Michigan, know some folks in Michigan, just make sure that they're talking to their agent. And I just wonder if the gecko is going to answer or, you know, the name your price tool will really be able to help make this really, really important decision. So I'd, I'd say contact your independent insurance agent. And if you don't have one, We'd love to help and see if we can help. Um, you can find us find us at, on wisemoneyshow.com um, and, and the Corhorn Financial Group page and phone numbers there are all linked there as well. So, so contact our team. We're able to help make help you make a great decision. Okay, the other big thing that's going around, I don't know if you've heard of this thing called the coronavirus. <laughs> um, it's starting to, to become a little more well-known. But it, it uh, I'm kidding there, but what, one thing that's not a laughing matter is people are seeing a change with their insurance. And so, Alicia, how does, the, how does the coronavirus impact someone's auto insurance, I guess, in particular? Yeah, so a lot of our companies are offering what they're calling a premium rebate, so maybe 10 to 20% that they're refunding or returning to clients. Specifically, generally they're following the stay-at-home orders. So for the length of time that people were required to stay home, they're gonna give some money back. And, and the thought process there is, well, people aren't driving as much, so the carriers aren't gonna have as many accidents that they are having to pay out. So they're gonna return some of those dollars back to the clients. So I, I love that, and I have some follow-up questions. However, I mean, is this really just out of the goodness of their heart, or is this this um, you know goodwill marketing there, or did it was it hey we didn't actually see a lot of accidents in February and March, and so here's some money back. Well, I I think it's a little bit of political strong arming maybe, and mm. some of that. But yes, they are seeing lower instances of claims, so that is actually coming to fruition. So if you if you haven't if you if you don't recall that you got a <clears throat> discount or that you received a check i mean what do you what do you do what would you tell someone to do who maybe this is news to them well the carriers are required to give it to them so they're just you don't have to call you don't have to do anything they're going to give it to you some of the companies are giving it to you in the form of payment you made last so if you typically pay with a credit card they might just put it back on your credit card or back into your bank account. Mm -hmm. Some of our companies are doing what they call credit it to your billing account, which just means your next couple of bills are going to be lower. Yeah. So hmm. it may be that you don't actually see the paper check. And if that's the case, you might want to go log on if you have an online billing account and look to see if that's been already thrown into your billing account. Got it. There's a couple other ways that the coronavirus has impacted your life and and in particular, your home and auto insurance. I'm thinking of um, less miles on your car. That impacts your insurance rates, a car being in storage, working from home, or if you run a small business, doing that from home. So we're going to pepper Alicia with those questions here in just a second. That and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. So it's starting to warm up here in, in uh, Michiana. And 
the uh, the air conditioning conveniently went out in my car, and so I go to the shop, and they know me there because I'm not good with cars. I have no idea what's going on with vehicles. And the gal, she's checking me in, and she says, um, so you, you haven't put a lot of miles on your car. And I look at her, I'm like, I, I'm guessing you see that a lot right now. And so uh, she said, we actually do. So how does the miles that you're driving impact your insurance rate? Have you driven less? And should you reach out to your independent insurance agent and see what that means? We're going to talk about that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the Cave Chief Studios, Josh Gregory and insurance advisor, Alicia Boehner. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is available on podcast wherever you listen. So just go there, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, and rate the show, please, if you would. We appreciate that. All right, so COVID and insurance, two unlikely pairs, but it has made quite a difference. You said because there were stay-at-home orders, people were forced to drive less, and then insurance companies were forced to give it <laughs> give a <it laughs> discount. Oh, that's nice. Um, what about... What about cars in storage? Okay, so storage insinuates you're not driving the car. So when I saw that question, I was thinking, well, okay, not driving the car at all. Storage is okay as long as you remember to take it out of storage when you start driving it again because there's Mm -hmm. no grace period there. If you hop in it and you drive and you wreck it, you're on your own there. So just make sure if you do put a car in storage because you're not driving it at all, that you actually remember to take it out of storage. <laughs> and and storage doesn't necessarily mean, you know, putting it into a storage unit. It could be in storage in your garage or in your yes, driveway. Just, you're basically telling the insurance company that you're not really driving it and you're parking it for all intents and purposes. And but I just an said, example of this though could be snowbirds. We have that happen yeah, all the right? time, yeah. Yeah. They get back from Florida or whatever and they hop in the car and start driving it. If they have an accident and haven't turned their insurance back on, so to speak, yes. or taking it out of storage, as you say, um, then they are on the hook for that. There's- I, th- I think those folks actually are the ones who are really good about it because they're doing it every single year and uh. most of them put it on their calendar. But for the average person who doesn't really think about insurance every day, they might call, make that decision, and then when things pick back up and they're busy again and going back to the office, then that might slip their mind. So just make sure you somehow set an alarm in your phone or something if you do make that choice. If you, so if one of, if, if you're married and you've, and one of you is still working from home and will be working from home for a while and you want to make a conscious decision to just drive one vehicle, then you, it might not be too late to still put a vehicle in storage. So, right. so consider that. What about all this working from home? Is that creating any new risk? That really impacts business owners, I think, way more than the individuals that are the employees. Mm -hmm. But business owners should be really mindful of this because there's lots of things that that could impact on their business insurance. First one is cyber liability. You want to make sure that the people that are logging in from home are logging in securely. You also want to have some mechanisms in place to make sure people aren't working on a public network somewhere, you know, I'm going over to a friend's house and working because I'm working from home and we're going to work together. And Mm. you just want to make sure you're not putting client data at risk there. Another thing is businesses that maybe generally had computers that mostly stayed in the office, but now those devices are moving home. You want to make sure that you have coverage for those offsite. Yeah, Because a, a lot of policies will extend some coverage, but 
you know, having a couple people going home is very different than having your entire workforce on every single computer. And people are buying monitors now that they're taking home and scanners and things like that. So there just might be more off-site property at risk. And I, I could see that getting missed really easy by business owners. I mean, you, you think about all the procedural things that they're working out and trying to coordinate with team members that used to be down the hall and now they're off-site and, and you're trying to manage remotely and everything to remember to protect the equipment that you're sending out too, uh, that, that could easily get missed. One of the other things that people have had questions on is work comp. Will work comp cover if workers are at home or if the business is in, in Indiana, but like Josh, he lives in Michigan and now he's working from Michigan and not Indiana. Does that impact things? And by and large, most work comp policies are going to cover that crossing state lines. Um, so there's not as much risk there on that side. So you're working from home and you have a slip and fall or or a co- you invite a colleague over to your house to work from home. Maybe you were going to ask this question. And they, they just... slip and fall. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, that's, that's quite granular. But would that be work comp or was that homeowners or is that just... I was actually thinking about this exact question on the way here, and I was thinking, I think work comp would cover that, but coverage is always deemed at the time of the loss, and they would probably look at, well, were you clocked in when you... They're obviously going to look at that. Were you clocked in when you slipped and fell, or were you clocked out? And they're going to try to ascertain, was it really in the course of business that you were actually injured, or were you on your break and switching your laundry? (laughs) Why were you on the pool deck when you were supposed to be working? That's right. Right. (laughs) Why did you have a crossbow in your hand when you were supposed to be working? Okay, uh, so what about this thing... um, uh, we have had a couple of those working events where someone grabs a uh, firearm and says, look at that rodent out there. I got to get this thing. Oh, <laughs> oh uh, so uh, I don't want to hear about these things. What about <laughs> so what, what about these um, miles driven? OK, oh, yeah. so so let's go back to that example that I that I had. So if you're working or if you're driving less, do you just you call in and report your odometer to your agent or what do you do? Yeah, you want to notify them that your usage just changed. So if you're not driving back and forth to and from the office, a lot of companies will have a usage that's a commute usage, which means I'm driving my car back and forth to work. Well, you're not right now. So you could change that to pleasure use. That might have a positive impact. You could also tell them that you're lowering your mileage. Um, And again, they're going to want to know when it goes back up. So you need to remember to report those things then when it changes again. But those are things that can have an impact. Those are probably smaller. Mm-hmm. Like I would see more change on our end if someone was driving their vehicle for business yeah. and now they're going to pleasure usage because they're maybe not working at all, then that might have a bigger impact on their actual costs than say just tweaking their mileage or going from commute to pleasure would. But hmm. still every little bit. What about the opposite though? You know, there there's some folks who are working from home. They they're still employed by their same employer and they're just relocated essentially. Mm-hmm. But what about the people who have lost their jobs and maybe now they're working from home having started their own business, you know, some sort of self-employed situation. They've never done that before. And I'm assuming if you've never done that before, it's probably not even on your radar screen, not even something to think about how that impacts both your car insurance and your homeowner's insurance. Yeah. It depends on how you use your vehicle. So if you're using your vehicle mostly to drive errands for business, then that generally isn't a problem. But if you're using your vehicle to make delivery, so we're seeing you know, a lot of restaurants that maybe at one time didn't offer delivery and now they mm. are, mm. and people are you know, going out and delivering food, 
the insurance industry is aware of that and they've actually made adjustments. So a lot of companies that didn't normally offer, we call it non-owned auto, that's how they extend liability to help cover that, um, are offering some liability coverage if that person gets into an accident and injures someone. Um, But yes, that's something that normally is excluded by your personal insurance. So you'd want to let your insurance carrier and your agent know if you're using your vehicle for business in that fashion. And then, well, so what about the house side, your homeowner's policy, anything to be aware of there? Yeah. Again, incidental business coverage is something that you can add on to most homeowner's insurance policies, depending on the type of business. Obviously it's, it's very different if you're a realtor working from home than Mm. if you're running a garage (laughs) and you're doing auto service and repair out of your home. So it really depends on the nature of the business, what will be required and whether it's just an easy tweak to your home insurance or whether you actually need a true commercial policy. I, I, that's the voice of Alicia Boehner. We're so glad to have her on sharing wisdom about what's going on in the world of insurance as it relates to the coronavirus. Lots of interesting, and it's just an interesting time altogether. And so again, contact your independent insurance agent. And if you don't have one, you can certainly always contact Alicia and the rest of our great team at Corvorn Financial Group. All right, I've got a couple other questions here about, hey, what's going on with college and insuring kids if they're going back to school or whatnot? And a few other questions we're going to hit here. That and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome back to the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory. I almost said Kevin Corhorn. Josh Gregory and special guest insurance advisor, Alicia Boehner. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on our website. You'll find it at uh, wisemoneyshow.com. You can also leave questions right there. And then wherever you're at on social media, the Wise Money Show is there as well. So search it, subscribe to it, like it, follow it, and you'll stay up to date on all Wise Money content. All right. So, Alicia, we're into questions from fans of the show. And uh, we have a very special question from our biggest fan. His name is Josh. Gregory. <laughs> Josh, what is your question today? No, it, it, this isn't even really a specific question. It's more of a scenario or a topic to kind of pick your brain on. Um, you know, every, every fall, w- one of the um, insurance uh, changes or, or impacts that happens in many households is they're sending kids back to college. And sometimes that has an impact on homeowners policies or, or car insurance. So it may be good to get your your insights on what normal looks like in the fall. But then are you anticipating it being any different this fall? Because some college students maybe are not going back. Maybe they're going to be doing more of their coursework online for a period of time or something. Uh, A lot of that still is just up in the air. But this topic of college students going back and what kind of impact it has on insurance in general. Okay. That's, I guess, what I would like to hear from you about. Yeah. So, One of the big things that we need to know is if you have a student that's going away to school and they're taking their vehicle, we have what we, we call it a garaging location. Really, it's where are you keeping the car? What's the address? That's the garaging location. So we just want to know that that address has changed. So that's one thing that you always want to let someone know. And then again, conversely, if you find that maybe a student is staying 
over the summer when normally they come home, you just want to let them know that the vehicle is going to be, you know, where it's permanently being kept or temporarily being kept. So that's one of the changes. The other thing is residency really matters. Like, are they on campus housing or are they off campus? Mm. And are they full-time or are they part-time? Those are the other two key things that I think really matter to us because that helps us determine whether or not the homeowner's insurance is going to cover them from a liability perspective if they do something or you know accidentally injure someone or whether it will not and they need to get their own renter's insurance in place. You, you know what I've seen this interesting thing if you're if you have a college student and they're not living in the dorms this coronavirus thing is driving them crazy. They the thought that they have to come home and mom and dad are always there. Yeah. They they are <laughs> wanting to stay at school. I have heard from more you know, you'd think I, you know, we talk to clients and you're like, yeah, how's it going with the whole, the, the house, you know, everyone back in the house and the parents give me this like crazy look and they're like, oh no, they're, they're, they're going to go back. And I think they're going to stay for a while. <laughs> Even if they have e-learning, they're going to stay because the kids are just crazy because they've had a little ounce of freedom and they come back and it's, it's, uh, it's the complete opposite of freedom. Mom and dad are always there. Mm-hmm. So anyway. All right. Good stuff. I uh, also want to thank Auto Owners for sponsoring the show today. Definitely don't want to mention or don't want to forget to mention that Auto Owners Insurance, special sponsor for today's program. This is one. This is a question here that um, that we got online. And I, I actually always understood this to be true. And I wasn't sure if it was this um, old wives tale or my parents told me this to scare me. Okay. Do your car doors need to be locked? in order to have coverage for theft from your vehicle. Do your so if if you the back in the olden days it was Mike you got all these CDs in your car. <laughs> if someone steals those, they're not covered if, unless your doors are locked. So is that true? Well, this is going to be like just riveting to you guys, but homeowners insurance is what covers the property that's stolen. No. So really. Generally speaking, if you do have a break-in, it's really two claims essentially it's uh we call it comprehensive insurance that Dam- covers damage the damage to the auto like if they scratched your car busted a window or locks or whatever but then the things that are stolen are covered by homeowners insurance unless some companies have endorsements that you can add that will offer some theft of contents from your vehicle so if you have that then it would still fall under your auto insurance so now wait a second but is the that- doors don't have to be locked the short answer is your drawers don't have to be locked they're gonna they're gonna cover it. Okay. <laughs> is your mind going to whether or not a homeowner's um, deductible, deductible right, applies? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's the answer to that? So yes, the deductible applies. Absolutely. Wow. So, so unless you have the endorsement to add it to your auto insurance and you pay the extra cost to have the endorsement, then you would file it as a home claim or you would absorb it. Is that very expensive to add to car insurance? Those endorsements are more than you would think. Yeah. More mm. than 50 to 75 bucks a year, usually at least. So you need to take your CDs inside with you at <laughs> night. Like, I will, along with my 8-track. Now, I can't tell you, I like when I heard this, when I heard you say, hey, no, that's an old wives' tale, that you don't necessarily need to lock your doors. I thought, well, that's a relief. But then when you said, but both deductibles apply, now I get it, mom and dad. Now I get yeah. it. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's why you told me lock this thing. Do whatever you can to prevent the theft. Yeah. Right. That is the cheapest. But, you know, people aren't keeping as it seems like people aren't keeping as many 
valuables in their car. I mean, you always have, what, do you do? I thought you were going to say they're not keeping as many CDs in their car. Well, yeah. boy, I would hope not. But, well, you know, Christmas time, statement. though, that's really right. when we see you know, an increase in theft and break-in is because people have shopping stuff in their vehicle. And You know, the, the other thing right now, sadly, is at least around Michiana, there are reports of, um, of theft, uh, break-ins to vehicles, cars. It has been on the rise. Mm-hmm. You know, people are struggling. And it even talks about it in Scripture. It talks about how, you know, Lord, just give me what I need so that I don't sin and go try to steal from others. And when people are hurting, it's logical that, theft would increase. So lock your doors, I guess, yeah. but you do have We'd coverage. We'd prefer there. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Next one. Uh, question says, will my auto insurance rates go up if my car is hit while parked in a parking lot? And I don't know who did it. So sort of like a hit and run, but you, you, you were just, I mean, it could have, could have been an errant cart or something like that. But so you're parked in a parking lot. You go into whatever store or work or whatever, you come out and you see your car is damaged, have no idea what happened. Will, yeah. your, will your rates go up? Well, so that it depends on what hit you. But generally, if you file a claim for that, it's, it's going to be considered a not at fault accident, obviously. And so, yes, more than likely, your rates could go up. Some companies don't charge for the first um, not at fault accident. Some companies do. So it kind of depends specifically upon the carrier. Well, so so the scenario Mike gave though was someone maybe hit your vehicle and you don't even know who it is. Yeah, hit and but run. if if they hit you and you know you exchange insurance info and and you know it happened and all that, is it still considered a not at fault accident where basically your own insurance company will be paying that claim? No, typically if there is and we can locate who the other insurance carrier is, then, then the will. other party is the one that's going to pay for the damages, but it still will be recorded as a not at fault accident for you. So all the same rule, same rules still apply, even though it's a different scenario and how it happened. Got so, it. So, so, so it kind of depends. Oh, but if you have accident forgiveness, then obviously that mm-hmm. wouldn't apply. So, and you've earned into that. So is there a threshold at which you would say, you know, if it's because number one, your deductible would apply, your deductible would apply. And so the other thing is, too, you need to look and see, well, what is that surcharge? We call it a surcharge, which just means they're going to charge you more for your insurance costs at your next renewal. So how much more is it going to be? Let's look and see how much more is it going to be compared to what's the actual damage and kind of tally that out because some of those charges will last three to five years. So in in a lot of instances, if you can, you know, self-insure some of that, you might want to. But the, the company would always want to know and you would want to report it. So that that is a knowable amount. Like you can know what the surcharge would be before you've even filed the claim? You What we can do, and we sometimes do this for clients, we can go in and adjust it like a mock change almost in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, you really can't do that until you get closer to the renewal date. So if their policy isn't up for renewal for six months, then you probably would have to wait before doing that because most companies aren't going to actually charge you that increased in cost until your next what we call a renewal date which is your policy starts and ends on a certain date what what about um if you so if you file this sort of claim because it makes dollars and cents and maybe you're just mad and to to pay anything out of pocket you say what and then there's a conspiracy in here that i'll I'll share in a minute but um but could that prevent you? Could your insurance company drop you for filing that claim? 
And that's part A. Part B, if you then realize, okay, I should transition insurance companies for whatever reason, could you have to could you be limited in what your options are to switch to a different carrier? Yeah, that's a really great question. So could your insurance drop you? Your, most companies aren't going to drop you for one not-at-fault accident. Okay. But a company might drop you for two at-fault accidents. Say one's you, one's your daughter. Mm-hmm. Now you have a not-at-fault. They usually will look at a time frame of three to five years, and they'll kind of assess how many different things have occurred in that time frame, and that's how they make their decision. So I don't think typically someone would drop you for just one, but it might be what pushes it over the top if you already were maybe on the bubble with some other incidents. And the same thing holds true for then when you're looking for new insurance. So companies will look at how many incidents have you had in a three to five year period, depending on the company, and that's how they'll decide what program you might fit into. So you might pay more in your costs when you go to switch or maybe not even qualify for the company that you we're hoping to get insurance. So, with. so you're saying that your claims history not only is looked at by your existing insurance company on whether or not they're going to surcharge you or keep you around as a customer, right? But any future customer or future insurance companies that you might look at, they're also pulling those same reports, correct? And judging whether or not you're a risk that they want to take, essentially, right? For that three to five year window. And that yes. might sound kind of cold and heartless, and and really. I mean, that, that is one of the most frustrating things for many people who have had a bad experience with insurance. It's, right. it's the idea that, hey, I had a bad stretch where, you know, it wasn't my fault. It was just things going wrong. I had these claims and now nobody will give me a fair price. Right. right? And, and that's because these insurance companies, they, they really are looking at the numbers and the statistics and saying, boy, is this a good exchange of value in their eyes? That's right. And that also kind of leads us to another topic, which is a lot of people like to move insurance to get the best rate. I always want to get the best rate. I always want to get the best rate. But in honesty, if you have had a bad stretch and you've been with a company for 10, 20 years, it is way more likely that your agent can go to bat for you and say, look, like they've been with you for 20 years. They've been good business for you. Yeah. This is a bad blip on the radar and we can get an exception made. But a new carrier, yeah. there is no history. No and history. it's no way, Jose. <laughs> the, the problem is, you know, the conspiracy side of this. I mean, this is no offense, Alicia, because no, you're, okay. you're great and the team is great. But I mean, this is why people can't stay in insurance. We're they, like I've car been, I've been paying this all these years and then I have an incident and you're telling me, be careful. Don't use your insurance, even though you've been paying for it. So anyway, I digress, but it's covering against the big risks. I get it. So thanks for being here, Alicia. On behalf of Alicia Boehner, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.